No, but it's like it's they're not, it's not so much anybody's banging the door to make sure they get a premium linebacker anymore. Exactly. As long as you got one competent one, everything's fine. Exactly. No, for sure. Yeah. But absolutely. Um, and the one thing is that Howie Roseman builds his team through the trenches always. So the fact that he was able to. The fact that Jalen Carter was able to fall that far, the fact that they were able to get Nolan Smith, who was on the side Reddit clone, is is a blessing. Exactly. If you got a lot younger and nearly by a hundred million dollars cheaper in terms of rebuilding that retooling that entire defense. Like I think people forget Javon Hargrave got eighty four million dollars. Like, like, and that's no disrespect to Javon Hargrave. It's just like, dog. <laughs> We're not giving you $84 million. It's not happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just yeah. can't do that. Yeah, more importantly, like, and the line, and the, shoot, the cornerback room is just something brutal. Obviously, you still got Slane Bradbury, who were still both top five in their positions last year. Sure. You bring in a guy like Greedy Williams on a one year prove it deal. Shoot, I forgot about Greedy. Yeah. Avante Maddox is still one of the better slot corners. He's always injured. Yeah. So. That's, the cool part is having Greedy helps you feel better about that. Yeah. Having McPherson, having Ringo, having Ritz fix you. So no more Josiah Scott. Thank God. Oh, God. Josh Jovi even might make Yeah, and the thing is, is that Kelly Ringo could also play some safety as well. Exactly. Don't forget about Sam Brown. Yep, absolutely. Looking like baby Palomalu with the hair. So yeah. it's like, man, I, like you said, younger and faster, I think, is the biggest thing that I felt like I was excited about that we did in this draft. In the last two years, really. And that's what's kind of taking this team to the next level because it's like you still have the leadership of Kelsey and Cox and, and BG and all these guys lingering around. And, you know, but the infusion of Nick's youth, the infusion of these young Georgia guys who know they may not be NFL level winners yet, but they come from winning at the highest level of football as a team, period. Yeah. Back to back champions. So all the guys on this team. And, and whether Swifty won one, all the guys on this team all played together, all know what it's like to be champions, all know what it takes to be good at the highest level. Exactly. So um, I, I just think I, I think we're going to hit the ground running. I think we might even I'm, I'm predicting 15 and two. Like I don't see any more than two losses. And I haven't even seen the schedule yet. I'm sorry. It's just like the way I know that Jalen's going to lead this team. The one weakness that I really felt like we had was always running back. It was like, all right, our line is great and our running backs do enough. But, man, if we had guys who really had top end talent with this line, what would it look like? And now you'll know because look at all the numbers for Penny when he's not hurt. It's all top five in the league running back. Look at the look at Swift's, who he was coming out of high school. Who Shoot, what type of prospect he was coming out of college. So with our line... Sirianni, I don't know, uh, you know, what Brian Johnson is going to look like as an OC. I think that's a huge part of this. What is it going to look like when he has to call games or if Nick's going to re resume the duties or whatever? But on paper, it's all there for you to go back and go get it, even if it is Kansas City again, yeah. which I do have a weird feeling that it's going to be. Yeah. So obviously every single opponent in the NFC twice, the Rams, Patriots, the Jets. <laughs> Cardinals, 49ers, Bills, Dolphins, Seahawks, the Chiefs. That might be the whole. That might be the opener. Oh gosh, that probably is the opener. Yeah, it could be. The Vikings and is Tampa. it in? Is it in? Is it? It's in that Arrowhead. Oh yeah, that's the opener. Yeah. And oh, we need that game like I need air. Yeah, and Tampa. So that means the home opener is week two. That Tampa game is gonna be funny. It's gonna beat the crap out of Tampa. 
Like the everlasting dog crap out of Tampa. Yeah. I really wish we got Tampa in the playoffs last year and Dallas didn't get it. I wanted to beat the crap out of them. We all that, but it's okay. I mean, I'd rather have the first round by and have us get healthy, but yeah. I mean, we did have the first round by. We did yeah, I know. That's what I said. I'd rather... Listen, I agree with I you. I don't need. Not everything is worth. Not everything is worth getting revenge on. We're Philadelphians. We literally thrive on revenge. Water ice and revenge. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, you're, you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm just being honest. But no. Um, uh, so. Okay, so if we agree that the two best teams right now in the NFC. By default, are the two teams that finished last. I think that's always a good assumption, barring yeah. something catastrophic, whether quarterback retirement, uh, uh, changing of coaching, whatever, right? Yeah. So the Eagles and the 49ers deserve the right to be called the two best teams in the NFC to start this year, right? Yeah. Who's number three? Dallas. Okay. Why isn't it Detroit? Neither one of us is Dallas fans, but yeah. I'm sorry. Like, are you going to tell me that Jared Goff is better than Dak Prescott? Not, not, not on his. He doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. I would. That would be my argument. So no. So to answer your question without dodging it, no. But my think, my saying, what I'm saying to you is, if the reason we have the Eagles and Niners are they're the most well completely built teams, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, Brock Purdy might not even be ready till October, right? And then you're either starting Sam Darnold, which could be a crapshoot, or he can finally get in a good system and show what he could do, or you're starting Trey, right? And then on our team, obviously, we're the most well-put-together roster in the league. Then you go behind that. You can say Dallas might be the only team that roster bar for bar is as talented as us. It's just Dak is sometimes erratic and Mike McCarthy's a moron. So there's that. But then I would argue, all right, so my, my thing is I have Detroit at three. And the reason I have the trade at three and Dallas at four is because if it came down to it, right, would I try in a playoff game? If this is the divisional round, this is Dallas versus Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Who do I trust more, Dan Campbell or Mike McCarthy? I saw Dan Campbell let his, uh, you know, hang with the season online. I mean, I also saw Dallas with 12 games last year. Dallas has a consistency. Dallas has consistency. Yeah, but they also consistently come up short in big moments. And what exactly is Detroit consistent of? Well, Detroit, okay, hold on, hear me out. With Detroit, wait, hear me out. There's a Detroit team that started out, what, 1-4 last year or something crazy like that? Yeah. And there's a Detroit team that was 8-2 down the stretch, right? And that with their destiny on the line and their own hands, they took care of business, did they not? They did. Seattle won. Seattle got to the playoffs. They, they let the ship fall too far or whatever, right? But the one thing you could say is with the marbles on the line, with their season on the line, a winner-take-all game, let's say Seattle loses, that's a playoff team. I have to respect that because, yes, I have to respect that Dallas the playoff team. But if I'm saying that a team that I've seen Dallas fail more in those moments than I've seen Detroit, you don't know what you don't know. And that's me being honest. If this was like a team, if this was a Dallas team that had won a ring before, I could see what your argument is. But what has Dallas really done? If we're, if, if the argument is they're both okay, teams that Okay, here's the thing. Okay. They beat the absolute crap. I mean, here's the thing. Tampa, no one ever thought Tampa was good, but they completely handled Tampa Bay. Yeah, but that's such a Dallas win. Yeah, but here, here's also the thing. It's like as much as people want to fall short, in the end, Dan Quinn did his job. They went toe-to-toe with the 49ers. 
And if it wasn't for Dak Prescott, obviously, in that offense, literally falling short. But so did Detroit. Detroit went toe-to-toe with us. Detroit went toe-to-toe with Dallas. There's a difference between, obviously, going toe-to-toe week one in terms of everyone. But, but let's be all the way real. Is it, though? Because we were the best team all season. No, because week, right? one, week one is like game one of an NBA final. It's the feeling out period. At that point, you at that point in January, you know where you are. You know what your identity is. Okay. So... And to be honest, who do you think would have given us a better game, Dallas or Detroit? Dallas. In the playoffs. Insane. Insane. I don't believe that. I'm sorry. This is the same Dallas team that barely beat us with Gardner Minshew. Well, did anybody from our defense was do this anybody significantly on defense? No. I'm not saying that Dallas can't put up points every now and again, but I also watched us stomp San Francisco four weeks later after that game. So you said everybody was at their peak. All right, since you want to say, oh, it was week one of the field out period. At the end of the season, if you were power-ranking teams in NFC, before the draft, anything like that, the end of the season, how everything ended, you wouldn't have and had to be honest, Dallas. I don't even have Detroit even that high. I have, I'll give me Seattle over them as well. That's crazy. That's crazy. I think Detroit's going to be great. I think, I think Goff's going to hold it over until Hooker gets healthy. Next year, it'll be Hooker's team. You have Williams and Amara St. Brown. You can probably add somebody else into there. Listen, I don't listen. I like Detroit. I do, but we're also accounting the fact that Jameson Williams is actually going to miss games as well. That's fine. And he missed games for something stupid. I don't really care about that. Yeah, like, and more importantly, like, they're still missing some pieces on defense. In the end, I know what Dallas is. Dallas is going to put up some points, and Michael Parsons is going to create hell. They're going to be a 12 win team, and they're probably going to lose to the divisional round. I don't know what Detroit is because Detroit finally had a winning record for the first time in seven years. So it's kind of hard. As much as I like Dan Campbell and as much as I like the culture they're instilling, it's kind of hard for me to put stop in them without any sort of consistency outside of what I saw last season. But that's what I'm going off of because, okay, even when they were more talent deficient the year before, would you argue that you ever felt like that team gave up on Dan Campbell? No. I've already seen multiple times the Cowboys quit on Mike McCarthy. So that is what I'm going off of. You saying constant and culture, right? What is the culture of the Cowboys in the last 25 years? What joke is Eagles fans and shoot as Giant fans, shoot as even Commanders fans? Do we make in the NFC is that, oh, Dallas always has a top five talented roster. They always talk a bunch of trash in the offseason. And then the Cowboys go to Cowboys, correct? Yes. And in the end, they still end up as the final one of those final four teams. When was the last time they were a final four team? In the, in the NFC? No. When was the last time they were a Final Four team? In the NFC, that's why. No. I meant. My point being is, when was the last time that they were a Final Four? When team was the last period? time Detroit was? My point being is, I'm trusting what I'm seeing Dan Campbell instill. The two years that Dan Campbell has been there, he has given me more confidence as a coach than Mike McCarthy has in the 15 years that I've seen him coach. This is a guy who was gifted a rod with an already Super Bowl level roster. Remember, when he takes over. Don Capers had already left that team in good position. By the time Brett retired, he has Aaron Rodgers and a Super Bowl level offense. All you do is not screw it up. And even then, he said they should have won more than one ring, and you still couldn't do it. Listen, in the end, like you're acting like I don't like Dan. I like Dan Campbell. I just, like I said, I need to see more. That's it. That's it. But in the meantime, it's Philadelphia, the 49ers, Dallas, even Seattle. Give me Seattle because Seattle had no business being a playoff team last year. And they continue to add, continue to add young pieces, continue to get better off that. That's fair. That's fair. And shoot, they're not even a lock in my opinion to even win the, 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 NFC, the NFC South. 
Who's not a lock? Detroit? Yeah. Nah. Who you got winning that division? The Vikings? Bill, no. Here you go with this Chicago bit. Start to go ahead. Give me a little Chicago Bears propaganda. I'm not, even, I'm, I'm not even going to do that. I'm just saying, like, I like what the I saw. The Packers might be the best team in that division. Look why it isn't kept. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if Jordan Love can kind of produce the same way Aaron Rodgers does, then... <laughs> All you got to do is make the right throws. Because here's the thing. You can make fun of LaFleur, but Aaron Rodgers statistically has proven he had some great years under Mike McCarthy, and that was when his arm talent, his, his athleticism ruled. But his, all his best statistical years are under Matt, Matt LaFleur. So I think LaFleur, if Love's got anything in there, yeah. LaFleur can get out. Yeah. And if, now he won't have to worry about someone questioning what he's doing or wanting to change the play. You're going to have a young quarterback who's going to trust their system and play yep. within their system. Yep. You have a 200 running back in AJ, in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Yep. If Batsyaris is healthy, that's a top 10 offensive line. And he's still got some pieces in that defense. Yep. And you got Dobbs, you got Christian Watson, you went and got uh, two young uh, uh, tight ends. So you got some pieces. No, I agree with you. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, Listen, I like the trade. I'm just saying, like, it it kind of has to happen mid season in order, for, and a trajectory wise, trajectory wise, for me to kind of convince to convince me that they're a top three team. Because here's my thing: if somebody's if somebody's argument, and this is why I say, like, to me, what do we say when we say a lot of stuff? If somebody's argument is they can't be a contender or go to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. The Rams did it. No, I don't. I don't believe in that quarterback. I don't believe in that. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, I, I saw Jimmy Garoppolo play multiple NFC title games. I just watched Brock Purdy go to an NFC title game. Yeah, for one. Yeah, play one possession. <laughs> Come on now. I watched Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. Like let's like let's stop doing that. So my biggest thing is. And Jared Goff has played in and won some big games. He's played in and won playoff games. He's still he's going toe to toe with. Okay, but let me ask you this question: Is this Detroit Lions team as talented as those Rams teams? Yes, I actually do believe that. I actually do. I'm not even kidding. They have a top five offensive line. Go look that running back room. Whether you want to make fun of or not, Montgomery and Gibbs is perfect. <clears throat> like perfect. This is a I mean, this is the this is the offensive line that blocks for Jamal Williams to get 17 rushing touchdowns last year. Like, bro, like, come on, dog. You watch as much football as I do. It's probably us, San Fran's line, and then Detroit and Dallas could fight that out on a big man snacky. You're contest. forgetting Kansas City. Screw Kansas City. They're <laughs> I still believe we would have had four or five sacks if that if that field actually mattered. So I'm not giving them credit. You gotta let okay. that hate out of your heart. I'm man. not. For who? You gotta let that hate go, man. For who? Kansas City. Anyway, yeah. So wow. <laughs> so then, and then the receiving court underrated. I'm around St. Brown. We both love him. We all we're both hype on Jameson. He just gotta actually get on the field, which is cool because the longer you rest, the more people won't forget. He, like I said, there was a play. When they were playing Green Bay on that late night game, and I just remember him shrieking out up the seam, and Dolph just missed him, and I said, "Oh, he's one of these guys." Where it's like, "Oh, third and six. Oh, we're gonna take a shot. I'll touch the forty-one yard touchdown." You know what I mean? So, um, with that being said, uh, I, I do believe Detroit is as talented as those Rams teams, and I, I believe the continuity. I believe them having a bunch of player coaches. I believe that culture. I believe those guys believe in each other. The main thing that they need to do is they need to have their defense step up. And their defense was way better down the stretch. Go look up the numbers. 
I'm not saying it was top 10, but it was middle of the pack. And for a team that had one of the most explosive offenses in the league, if that defense is middle of the pack, that's an 11-12 win team every every day, all day. Um, the NFC North is going to be a dogfight. I do believe that. For sure, for sure. I can agree with you on that. The NFC North is going to be a dogfight. I don't think anybody's walking away with that division. But I just believe in... I, I and, and don't get me wrong. This is somebody who I love. Um, oh, my gosh. What's... Who's, Minnesota's coach. Kevin O'Connell. I love Kevin O'Connell. I think he's been great for them offensively. Uh, I I I'm anxious to see what uh Everflus does in the second year. And you know, Matt LaFleur doesn't get enough credit for putting probably the best situation around A-Rod since he's been in the league. And I think he's gonna do the same thing for a young Jordan Love who's just gonna go out there and try to make the right reads. You're gonna lean on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, like you said. So there are a lot of teams in contention for that three, for that fourth, that three, four, five spot. Obviously, with us and the Niners being the one and two teams, three, four, and five is up for debate. I just believe, in my mind, if I wake up tomorrow, if I'm betting money on who's the third best team, if somebody's gonna knock off either one of us or San Fran, I just feel like it's gonna be Detroit. I don't know why. I just believe in that team. I believe in that system. I believe in the Jerry Ball comeback story. I do. And if I'm sitting here salty in a couple months, then it is what it is. But I just, I don't know. I feel like that team was building something special. And I feel like, I don't know. I'm not saying if they would have got in, they would have beaten San Fran. But I do believe if they got in. They would have went toe-to-toe with San Fran. I really do think they would have. I think they could have gone blow for blow. But, um, yeah. So, there's that. It's been a while. NBA playoffs, right? Yep. Um, we're now on to the second round. Uh, it's crazy because, you know, I wasn't here for the preview episode that you and Free did, but, um, we're now on round two. We've seen enough basketball. Is this one of the best playoffs you've ever witnessed in your life so far? Or am I overhyping that? Um, yeah, it is. Because of the fresh new faces. You can kind of feel like there is like a change in the guard. And especially, well, not really. Uh, I don't know. It's just... It's just good basketball, for sure. Yeah, it's like it's like none of it's sloppy. It's like none of it's like, okay, this team clearly does not belong here. Well, except for Brooklyn. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, but shoot, like even the series that like I thought I got potential wasn't even going to care about. Like they actually ended. It actually ended up being good. The Timberwolves actually put up a legitimate fight against the Nuggets. That was actually an entertaining series. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawks actually took. You know, Boston to six games, and I obviously I think the biggest shocker to me is the fact that Miami upsetting the number one seed of Milwaukee Bucks, kind of up, kind of like uprooting and changing everything in regards to what we're going to see throughout the rest of the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. No. Um, upsets galore. Parity, you know, is ruled the day. And injuries, unfortunately. Yeah, and, you know, I know we always make the joke in our Twitter verse, and, you know, especially NBA Twitter, it's like, why can't two, why can't God just turn injuries off like on 2K? But I think, especially with the, the death of the Super Team era recently, right, um, teams having to show depth, teams having to win without just their one star carrying the rest of the team, teams having to win with a more fundamental team-based approach, I don't know. I just I don't care if I sound like an old curmudgeon. It's good for the game of basketball because that's what basketball is. It's a team sport. It's who has the best team. It's whose team works the best together to win. And when you have these teams where it's just like, we're going to throw three of the best players ever and then put seven Mike Millers out there, it kind of takes away the integrity of what team building is supposed to be, you know? So um, with that being said, 
Uh, who's been your favorite player in the playoffs so far, man? Honestly, it has to be Jalen Brunson. I didn't think that... I thought Jalen Brunson was just a really good hand. I didn't think that he was that much of an X-factor and a culture changer as much as, like, him departing from Dallas to go to New York. But him being there, and he was the reason why they sent the the Cavs home in five games. Yep. And his ability to just hit the floaters, get everybody else involved... And he's kind of like that. He's that missing piece that the Knicks really needed. They needed that point guard, like that legitimate point guard that can go ahead. He can get himself 15, 20 points on his own, but make sure he tights up everything about that ship, that that ship that everything needed for like RJ Barrett, Julius Randle when he's healthy, and the bench pieces. Like, to be honest, like, that's why I said like years ago, like when Lonzo was a free agent, I'm like, the two places. They really need a point guard the most in Chicago and New York. If one of those guys get a healthy Lonzo, they're going to be a playoff team that nobody wants to face. Exactly. When Chicago got him, unfortunately, they couldn't reap the benefits of a healthy Lonzo. They still can't, and I feel really bad for them because Lonzo's one of my favorite players. But Jalen Brunson didn't definitely fit that mold in terms of what Chicago's kind of missing now from Lonzo. Exactly. So, and like we talked about this on Sunday, like during the game too, it's like, you have three legitimate guys that can get 20, and more importantly, they're un- all of those guys are selfish, where it's like they can get five or six assists like, all together, and it makes sense in regards to the flow of their offense. Exactly. They're all young enough to run, to all run 35 to 40 minutes for Tom Thibodeau's scheme, and they can legitimately go 10 deep. Exactly. So I feel like the only thing in regards to what they need right now is continuity. I feel like if this team stays together for all at least next year, I feel like they'll be a, a much better, much better team to win 50 games. And more importantly, I feel like they'll be a, a sleeper, a sleeper pick to go to the, to go to the NBA finals. No, seriously. And uh, I, I mean, just, we make fun of the Knicks and the Knicks fans all they want, but Jalen Brunson is definitely a culture changer for that team. For sure. And Knicks fans, man, one thing we will never, you, you, you're, you make a million jokes about Knicks fans. But one thing people never say is Knicks fans don't ride for their team. Let's go, Knicks. Let's, Let's go, go, Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Hey, Trevor Durant, don't you wish I could come into the Knicks? <laughs> I'm sure he wishing that. Speaking of, let's talk about your guys since my guys didn't even make the darn playoffs. Um, after disposing the Clippers in the dubious five games, you know, missing their two-star players. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I'm not here to be a hater. I'm just here to report the facts. Listen, just poor, that sounds like poor team construction, but anyway. That's crazy. <laughs> Speaking of poor team construction. <laughs> you set yourself up for that one. Hey, listen. I, hey, not, hey no one's per, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Within the first two games of this, you can tell Chris was allowed to be the GM for one week. Um, right around February. I don't know if you guys know what happened. Um, James Jones tried to veto the trade, but Chris had already sent it to the NBA office. Trey Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. No, that's what happens pitch. when you get a new owner, and a new owner wants to make a splash. Listen, go get me my guy. I was listening to Bill Simmons the other day, and he proposed something hilarious where I was like, no, you're right. He was like, did they have to give up Cam Johnson in that trade? And I'm just laughing because it's like, in my head, I'm like, man, if y'all still had Cam Johnson to eat up like 30 or 4 or 35 of those minutes, y'all might have a chance in this series. Denver's a machine, dude. It is. And... You know, I asked you who your favorite player was. My favorite player in this has been Jokic. And the reason why is, obviously, I'm an Embiid guy. But I'm not just going to randomly hate on Jokic or try to disparage what he's done because I love Joe. 
that's corny. So for me, with the whole Embiid comparison or I get the Jokic comparison, one thing I would say about Jokic is he's the poster child for continuity. He is the continuity of that team. And now with the fact that, you know, Jeff Green's been there for a couple of years. Maul's been there for a couple of years. Michael Porter Jr. has been healthy for more than three games at a time. You know, uh, 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 he got game two. Jimmy Butler's questionable with that ankle. He's out. Sorry to report he's out. He's out. The Knicks are looking to rebound. Are you going to go with the Knickerbockers tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Knicks. I mean, but then again, Miami already came what they needed to do. They split, and they just want to go back home. Yep. So I think Jimmy's ankle is definitely something we're going to have to monitor the rest of the playoffs because if he can't be who he's been the last, I don't know, two weeks, um, then that goes to giving the Knicks the advantage in this series. And if we are able to pull off this miracle and beat Boston, Playing the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals would be insane. Yeah, it would. It would be insane. And we'd have home court advantage. And then the craziest thing is, I think we'd have home court advantage in the finals against whoever we played to. We would. So, I mean, it's all right there in front of you. Game one in the center in Wells Fargo in the finals, it's right there for you. So, go and get it, boys. Uh any any advice or not advice, but anything you see to be able to replicate the success of game one to be able to win game two. And somehow go up O two back going back to the uh back to Philly. Oh, everything y'all did in game one, because I feel like at this point, them winning game one kinda made the decision of possibly shooting down Joel and beat again. Unless mm-hmm. The only way he plays is that he is saying that, listen, that knee is fine and he wants to test it out. Yeah. But other than that, you can, like like Miami, you came what you needed to do. You got game one. And the thing is, is that you kind of really don't need to do anything that's out of the ordinary from what you did game one. Uh, James Harden was aggressive. Tyrese Maxey was not a 23, but he was aggressive in terms of finding his shot. But the thing is that they need to do is, is that if these guys are getting killed in the paint, implement that zone a lot more earlier. No, for sure. But other than that, I love all the contributions that everybody did last night. We only went eight deep last night. Um, Which was crazy. Yeah. I mean, Harden was absolutely spectacular. It just shows that Harden really just altered, tailored his game to play around Joel and B and to get everybody else involved. He still can do that. Exactly. And I think that was funny that people didn't think that he could do that. I didn't think he could do it. And I don't know why I didn't think. I just was like, you're being so unselfish now. But it's like, you know what? Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, but he stepped up. Tobias Harris gave you a steady 18. Max gave you a 26. Uh, he had active hands, you know, playing the passing lanes. Uh, P.J. Tucker also. Like, it's funny, like, this is the 25th game of the season where he scored zero points and attempted zero baskets or zero free throw attempts, but the Sixers are 19 and 6 in those games. And more importantly, Paul Reed, shout out to him, because in the final 60 seconds, he went to the line he went to the line twice for four three throws and made both of them. And Without even touching that. Yeah, absolutely. And was able to draw that foul and end to put them back on the line. And more importantly, like, it's like I said, like, I told everybody, it's like I told most of my friends and everybody was like, you know, we're going to lose. I'm like, six and six. It was like, okay, Chris. And I'm just like, listen, it's the same Brad Stevens, the same Yumeka Doka, and I've watched several Boston games this year. Boston has blown the most four-quarter leads throughout anybody else in the NBA this year. You want to know who's second? Milwaukee. That's why they're home. Yeah, for sure. So, 
This isn't a team that Philadelphia is afraid of anymore. And more importantly, I think the biggest thing in terms of watching James Harden last night is that, like, now that he's in Philadelphia, I get to truly watch what he does on the court, especially in a half-court setting. And it's really amazing to watch because that guy can get you any spot on the court with with almost little to no effort, and he's strong enough to get to his spots. So, like, now the fact that he's incorporated a lot, a lot of us also do the same, Cassell, incorporating that mid-range game, him driving and then pulling back for the mid-range, uh, then picking on Al Horford on defense, the step-back three, him being able to now legitimately finish layups, which was kind of, like, probably the hardest thing for him to do throughout that Brooklyn series, exactly. is really encouraging. No, for sure. Um, now that I know that this Harden is in there and that Embiid is on the way, I too am ready for us to go toe to toe and finally slay the dragon that is Boston. I just hope it doesn't take all of our energy and all our emotions like to beat Boston and then to kind of like go to take the cut off the gas. Like, no, be hungry. You still got a job to do. You still got eight more wins to get after that. I don't think that's going to be the case with this team because even when they won last night, Harden was like, it's just one game. Relax. Yep. You see the way PJ is getting with these younger guys, and man, people, people who are always on the PJ Tucker train all year, all the people that me and you who are like, hey, he gets <laughs> as many zeros as he wants. He doesn't shoot, he doesn't disrupt the flow at offense. He keeps the ball moving. He goes and does the dirty work. He'll guard one through five. He's an offensive rebounding machine. He'll punch a guy in the face if you need him to. Like PJ Tucker is one of the most perfect basketball players on the planet, and it's awesome to finally have a guy on that team who's just useful in every way that someone can be useful. Yeah, and it's like everybody's like, what is the purpose of PJ Tucker? I'm like, did you watch the, the series against last year in Miami when he was the, with the Heat? All those punching, all those offensive rebound punching us to give those Miami extra possessions? Yeah, now that's us. Exactly. Now that's us having that fight. You still got Trez on the bench who who got six fouls if you really needed to give it to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Shit, I forgot we had Trez on the bench. Ah, <laughs> uh, center number four. Don't do that. But, um... <laughs> what? Listen, that's what I mean. It's not a center. I'm sorry, big man number four. There you go. But, um... No. So, my biggest thing is... Maxie's the biggest thing for me. I love that he kept shooting last night, but he was very inefficient, if we're being completely honest, right? I need him to figure out this Boston defense. You said it the other day before game one. And I want to reiterate it going into the game too. Is he needs to he needs to figure out who he needs to switch on to, how he needs to attack this team or whatever. But if he can consistently get an efficient twenty to twenty two a game, that's a, that's an actual legit game changer for us. Yeah, but I like what he did last night because normally like the ten games he averaged like eight and a half points. So even though it wasn't efficient, it didn't it wasn't efficient enough to the point where like we were like completely out of it. We still we won by four. Boston was making all the shots in the first half when we was only down by three. And, like, I was like, I'm just like, and I was watching this game. I'm like, we're going to win this game because Boston is doing everything perfect offensively and they're only down by three. They don't, they're not as, they're not as good as on defense as they was two years ago. Hell, not even last year. Exactly. But, you know, people will just give people the credit of stuff off merit like I did with Boston just assuming they would be the same team because they went to the finals last year and they're not. And every team is different year to year. Coaching is different. You know, how guys feel, their their attention to detail, their attention to the small stuff is all different. So I'm just, I'm more so 
excited to see uh, if Paul Reed can kind of keep this up, man. If he can keep up these consistent 12 to 15 minutes of like good basketball and such like that, that that right there is a huge game changer for this team in and of itself. Yeah. And even if Embiid comes back, like I think the fact that Reed has been able to step up in these big moments now, I think realize like, okay, if Embiid can only give us 32 minutes, I'm confident Paul Reed can take us home for the rest of the 16. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, sports for the culture. And speaking of returning, the envy, the, full, the, the reigning, defending NLS, NLCS MVP is returning back to the lineup at Dodger Stadium MV3, tonight. MV3, MV3. Bryce Aaron Max Harper finally returns to the lineup. After six months after UCL's here. Bryce Harper with the swing of his life. One of the best calls ever. Joe Davis, you knocked that out the park. Joe Buck, you suck. Um, oh, man. I would have given anything. <laughs> oh, if Joe Buck would have had to make yeah. the call, yeah, no. He Harper. somehow. Harper! Go what? on, Phillies lead! There are no flags. Home run, no flags. Home run, no flags. Nah, to be honest, I just want to. I just want to say, hold on. We played the. We played the Cardinals. I'm like, I'm like, dog. Slide. How much money you want for Joe Buck? Call that series. Yeah, we're at a ESPN. I'm being greedy. I'm just ah, music to my ears. The tears of unfathomable sadness. Yo, I love how Troy Buck, Troy Aikman, and Joe Buck literally was like, as a squad, like, yeah, we both out. <laughs> like, we both signed on a joint deal, like, like on Step Brothers when they was doing the joint job interviews. Yeah, think about it. More money. They're on the network, and they work once a week, and they out, and they off by January because they don't, they'll do like one playoff game, and that's it. No, that's real. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, fifteen and fourteen. Mm-hmm. 15 and 14. Bryce coming back. Suarez should be somewhere over the horizon. How you feeling about the season so far? Obviously, it was a struggle at first because we couldn't hit or pitch. Yeah. But now I feel like the more we continue to play, I feel like everybody's beginning now to figure out their roles. I think the biggest two pieces that <laughs> have fallen into place, and it's definitely going to help us, you know, definitely during like the summer and for a playoff push, is the. All star, all star rising emergence of Bryce and Stott and Alec Bohm. Bohm is definitely hitting more for power. Stott is definitely has, has you know like the hitting rec, had like has a hitting streak. Also, Trey Turner's also been getting on base. Kyle Schwarber's slowly but surely you know getting those power numbers up. Same with Nick Castellanos. This offensive line, I mean, this offense is now doing what it's supposed to be doing, and that is absolutely hitting the ball and raking in runs. And the only thing now that they really have to figure out is is starting pitching. And if Nola and Wheeler can definitely regain their form of what they was last year, then this is definitely a team that's going to be in the playoff hunt when it's all said and done when in September. No, for sure. Um, and that's really all I care about because this team last year obviously showed me you get hot at the right time, whether you're a wild card team or not. You got a chance to win it. So all I care about is do enough to stick around towards the end of the year. Would it be nice for us to win that at least or something like that? Of course, obviously. But 
if we're in one of those wild card spots, I'm not afraid of anybody. And at least we proved that against the Braves in the divisional series last year. And to be honest, like, yeah, the Padres can hit, but they haven't been with setting the world on fire this year so far either. So it'll be interesting to see that in the guts of the summer, you know, late July, August, and all of that good stuff, how things will be going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And much of the way that the rest of the NL is um, shaping up to be. Unfortunately, Acuna. Fortunately, now Acuna is like back on, like on the. He's on the day to day. The Mets have definitely been, you know, been able to maintain the stay of flow, especially with the injuries to, you know, their pitching staff as well. The Dodgers have been the Dodgers consistently. The Padres have been great. But I, but overall, like the season has been a fun one to watch so far, and I feel like by the time by the time summertime rolls around, everybody gets healthy and gets their major guys back. It's definitely gonna be a lot of fun. Oh on. yeah, oh yeah, for sure. The Angels still suck though, with two of the best five players in baseball. Just wanted to give an update on y'all. Oh, damn, it's a damn man. We keep losing. We we. You mean that's the other twenty three of y'all? <laughs> Yeah, but speaking of, uh, but but obviously, I think one of the the craziest uh, like news is I've probably like saw today is that the Memphis Grizzlies didn't mix any sort of words in terms of what they wanted to do in regards to Dylan Brooks's free agency. They said under no circumstance they're interested in bringing him back. And I'm like, under any circumstance, I'm like, that is probably the rudest thing I've ever heard him. Yeah. <laughs> in regards to free agency. I'm like, that's how you fire somebody. That's messed up. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, obviously, like we all have our. Obviously, we can all make our fun and everything else. Wanda Tigers, uh, him going after, yeah. <laughs> going after LeBron. <laughs> but. This this series wasn't just lost just because of Dylan Brooks. No, and their season didn't go the way it did because also Dylan Brooks. Also, it's just the fact that okay, you're you don't technically have to pay you. That's pretty much it. It's the fact that okay, this team has this team has zero leadership. Like obviously, we don't talk about you know the immaturity the immaturity issue still with John Morant and his inability to stay healthy. Exactly. We don't talk about the the limit the limitations of you know what Desmond Bain provides for your team. Also, and like this team seriously needs a major facelift when it comes to leadership. And no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, Stephen Adams supposed to be a leader, but other than that, Stephen Adams is I think younger than both of us, and he's supposed to be the the adult in the room in this team. So that should let you know where they need. Funny enough, a guy like an Iggy, a guy like a Zebo, a guy like, you know, somebody who's going to come in and not take any crap from these young guys and be like, hey, this is how you win. This is how you do things properly. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But also, also, I don't think we talked about this. Like going back into the NFL is that Lamar Jackson finally got his money. Heck yeah. Love to see that for that black man. Yeah. And it's funny, like, somebody literally asked me, it was like, because I was in an Uber um, about like a week or so ago, and they asked me, it was like, 
He's like, yo, what's he's like? How much uh, Lamar Jackson got? I'm like, exactly five million more than what Jalen Hurts is making. Yeah, no, seriously. And I'm like, yo, that is that is petty. If I ever seen any. No, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, it so it shows that when you stand on what you think you're worth and when you stand on what you think you deserve from people, then no one can take that away from you. And I think that is a huge win for somebody like Lamar Jackson, who looks like us, who normally isn't the poster child for what the league really wants to build around. They like Patrick Mahomes. They like safe black guys. They like Russell Wilson, if we're being honest. So Lamar standing his ground and get the money he deserves after everybody made fun of him for not having an agent was an awesome thing. I was glad to see that for him. Mm Mm-hmm. And now we see the construction of, you know, not only um, their offense, you know, Cam Cameron's gone, the addition of Odell Beckham, you got Zay Flowers now over there, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. Like, this is probably the best opportunity now for Lamar Jackson to prove that he's more than just a capable running quarterback. Exactly. So, like, now he has to... He has to take care of his body in order to stay healthy. He has to make more better reads and throws if this team wants to go to the next level instead of just being a perennial playoff contender and now go to a Super Bowl contender. Exactly. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Being able to stay healthy, being able to play a smart, selective style of football with the way that he runs. Yeah, exactly. And also, the fact that history was made during the NFL draft, like, obviously, we're also for the culture as well. Um, the fact that three three black quarterbacks, the first three quarterbacks to take in were black quarterbacks is definitely is, is for the first time in NFL history that it's happened. Exactly. So, let me ask, let me pose you this question. I feel like the three quarterbacks that got taken, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud, I feel like all of them aren't going to, like, barren wasteland situations. I feel like what they kind of have in place right now is decent for them to have good rookie campaigns. So if you had to pick one quarterback to have um, a offensive rookie in a year campaign over every, over the other two, who would you take? Over the three guys that were drafted in the top four? Yeah, out of the three. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um... I'm going to go with Bryce because I think Bryce is the most pro-ready. Um, I think, you know, I don't, obviously he doesn't have a top flight wide receiver, so that may affect him, but I think I trust Frank Reich's play calling. And in, for the first time since young Carson, Frank has actually had a quarterback who can execute the things that he needs to be executed. So it'll be interesting to see. I think with the running game, they'll help him out with Chubba Hubbard and all of those guys. So, It'll be interesting to see. Um, I would go Bryce, Bryce Young, though, because I think if he plays well, that team wins that division. And I like, truly believe that. So um, I would go Bryce Young. Who do you have in that situation? Honestly, I'm going to go Anthony Richardson. Okay. <clears throat> uh, mainly because Shane Steichen was watched Jalen Hurts for two years develop into a – Starting caliber quarterback to a perennial MVP candidate, so he he not only he was in that room, but Gardner Minshew was also in that room as well. 
So the fact that now you're kind of have the same, you're going to run those same concepts in terms of play style, like the RPO, and now you, you're going to be doing that with Jonathan Taylor around a really good offensive line. Um, and with a guy who is probably a more raw talent, a raw and more talented quarterback than what you were given with, with Jalen Hurts, this is an opportunity for him to kind of like stamp his approval and show that Richardson has the highest ceiling in this draft. And if you could just manufacture those skills and make him a better rhythm thrower with the RPOs, with the slants, with Alec Pierce, with um, who's that other wide receiver? Uh, I forget. Uh, Josh Downs from North Carolina. Josh Downs. No, the other. What, Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I was just drawing a blank. No, you good. You, I mean,. Their kind of receiving core kind of sucks, but I do like Josh now. Yeah, but like from what Shane Sykes did saw from Jalen. Breaking news. Joel Embiid. He's your 2022-2023 Kia NBA MVP. Let's go. Congratulations, Woo. Our first NBA MVP since 2001. And you know we went to the finals that year, right? Yep. Joel Embiid averaging 33 points a game, 55% from the floor, 10 rebounds, 4.2 assists, for the 54 win, 30 speed, good up with 76. Man. I mean, that's awesome. It is. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to the big man. Yeah. Let that be known on the air. Our yes. boy won the MVP. Yep. That's awesome. Um, I mean, yeah. Really nothing else to say, Joel Embiid. Yes. And that was the process all about. Yes. We produced the MVP. We might even get a finals MVP out of it. And it should. Who knows? <laughs> I've I haven't I'm so happy for the kid. I really am. No, that's awesome. Yeah. He should have won it one in the last two years before this even happened. So yeah. it's, it's nice to see him do that. The fact that Shaq got um what I can best describe as old man Nikes on, the joints that look real soft at the bottom, is hilarious to let you know how old we're getting. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> this man feet here for real. You love to see it. You do. I kind of want to see them present the trophy to them. Yeah. They will on Friday. Back in the crib. Back at the crib. I kind of miss like where they announced it like in the first round. Yeah, I mean, it was during the home game. Yeah. Yeah, when AI got it, it was legendary. His mama was there. It was fire. So well, indeed. MVP. And I think the coolest thing is is that kind of like with Iverson. Well, the thing is is that we was three years old. We was like two to three years old when Iverson was drafted, and it's like growing up, like we saw Iverson's journey, but it's like we really didn't see it from like from its infancy to where he became a superstar. Yeah, like, the fact that we've now seen Joel Embiid draft the third overall back in twenty fourteen. 
saw those injuries pile up for him for those first two years, his foot, the back injuries, for him finally being able to step on the tour, average 20 and 7 in those 31 games. He's got a kid now. Like, time has flown by, man. First Sixers. First Sixers since Allen Iverson 22 years ago. Yeah, Joe. Yep. So, but like I said, job's not finished. Like, we got 11 more wins to go. Bruh, I need that as a poster. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, man. Yeah. Some crazy times. Yeah. And also other breaking news, the NBA has assigned Scott Foster to the Heat's Knicks game tonight. I'm dead. The Heat are 0-5 with Scott Foster officials, the Knicks are 4-2. I'm dead. Yep. And OMB with 73 first place votes. You'd love to see it. Ah, man. Beautiful. Yeah, but uh, once again, you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, on WJYN 98.5. And once again, uh, congratulations to Joel Hans and B for winning the MVP. Let's go, Joel. Han and B. And listen, everything's coming up for Philadelphia right now. The Eagles, the Eagles killed it in the draft. Joel B won the MVP, and our and our NLCS MVP comes back tonight in Bro- in in Dodger Stadium. Everything's coming up. Exactly. We was due for a turnaround. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But is there okay? Uh, one last question: Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to going forward for this NBA playoffs? I mean, so being as though Embiid is the MVP, I just feel like it's easy to write the storylines of Bron and Curry and KD and Bron and blah blah blah, blah and all of this stuff, right? But like the two best players in the league the last three years have been Jokic and Embiid. We can both agree on that, right? Yeah. If you want to throw Giannis in there. They are the back-to-back MVPs. Let them go at it in the finals. I want, I'm want. i pulling for Sixers Nuggets. That is what I'm pulling for. I'm pulling for the Nuggets in the, in the West, and obviously I'm pulling for our Sixers in the East. I just feel like that's the way that this ends. Like you said, we got to beat Boston, and then we got to take out Jimmy, and then Joel have, needs to The dominate. Sixers have to take out their boogeyman. And then Joel has to dominate the Nuggets. He has to dominate Jokic. The way that Hakeem dominated Shaq. And the way Hakeem dominated Patrick. So. You know, where I come from and, you know, I got here and, you know, what it took for me to be here. So, uh, it feels, you know, it feels good. Um, you know, I, I don't have, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's amazing. Joe Shaq here, I don't have any questions. I just want to say congratulations. I know me and Chuck, we stay on you a lot. That's because we see greatness in you. 
You've accomplished everything we wanted you to do. So congratulations to you, your family, and your organization. Well deserved, brother. Thank you, Big Fella. Uh, you know, appreciate it. Um, I still remember the conversation we had uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was three, four years ago. Uh, it was actually here in Boston. We had just played Boston, and uh, you know, you guys were all on me about you know I got to be dominant. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still remember that conversation. That you know, that helped a lot, and that changed a lot uh, when it came to the way. Um, you know, I went about my business, uh, so thank you. Well, Joe, number one, congratulations, man. Uh, Well-deserved, well-earned, long time coming. My question is, these guys have given you a lot of time to rest in the last week. How proud are you of those guys behind you closing out Brooklyn and, and then winning the first game? Man, um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I thank all of them because I could have done it uh, you know, that being, you know, uh, you know, obviously we've been winning a lot and, you know, the work that I've put in uh, to put me in, uh, and trust me, uh, and putting me in positions to succeed uh, has been, you know, amazing and they've given up a lot for me. Uh, so, you know, I'm just thankful for, you know, for these guys. Uh, they're all behind me and I know how much I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for them, but uh, uh, you know, I, I was going to tell them that, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate for five minutes and then, you know, we're going back, you know, back to business. Uh, we got a serious win. Uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of them, you know, obviously winning, you know, yesterday. Uh, that was a big one. And, you know, we got a few more coming. Uh, and I'm just so proud of them uh, to be able to make sure to give me some time to, you know, really allow me to, Hill and you know get back to myself and you know uh, and I'll be back and uh, you know we got we got more work to do. You know, congratulations, first Joel, uh, MVP of the NBA 2023 season sounds good, but I also noticed I talked to Sam Cassell a lot. You know, assistant coach Cassell, and there's a big comparison with you and Hakeem Olajuwon. And the one thing I noticed when Hakeem Olajuwon won the award. He wouldn't go out and accept if we as a team didn't come out. And before it started, you said, no, guys, y'all got to get in this picture. So it was the same. It gave me chills to hear that as much as we talk about that and your team. So talk about, again, I know you did with Chuck, how much they meant that you needed to have them in that picture. It almost was uncomfortable if they weren't in it. Uh, it means everything, um, you know, obviously to be able to even qualify and be in these type of conversations, you got to be able to win. And I've always said it, uh, you can't win by yourself. Uh, you need everybody, all of them. I've needed them all year and I'm going to continue to need them. Uh, like I said, that sacrifice a lot, you know, for me and, you know, for the team. Uh, you know, you look at someone like James, uh, you know, you look at the performance he had last night. I'm sure he could do it every night, but, you know, he understands. You know, he has, sometimes he has a different role, and he's given up a lot, you know, to Baj, you know, Tyrese, you know, DJ. You know, I can go on and on and on about, you know, all these guys and, you know, what they've given up. But, uh, like I said, I couldn't have done it without them. Uh, you know, it's a team effort. Uh, you know, it's not... Yeah, I wish you could write it on the MVP, you know. Uh, you know, it was the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what it took, and uh, I'm just so proud of them. 
So, Joel, you didn't really play basketball until you were 15 years old in Cameroon. And uh, When you think back, who made it possible? Uh, obviously, you had it inside of you to, to take your career to this point, but who do you look at and say, boy, without this guy, I don't know if this ever happens? Man, uh, I've been there as about two or three people, uh, I would say. There's definitely more people that have helped me along the way. Uh, and, you know, if I start going on, we're going to be here all night. Uh, but, you know, you, you can start with, I'll say my uncle, um, because he was the one that kind of started getting to my head when I was 16. Uh, and also to my dad's head about, uh, you got to let him, you know, start playing basketball. And my dad just wasn't with it uh, because I think he thought it was too physical uh, for me, which is funny because I like the physicality. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, it was you know, it was always you know, all of, you know, my dad about you gotta let him try, and finally, I got the chance to start. And uh, Luke came back, and he had a basketball camp in Cameroon, and that's really how he started. You know, going to his camp. Obviously, I had just started playing basketball, and you know, and I was just talking to him earlier. Like, there was no way we could have known that I would have been you know, in the NBA or, you know, at this level. Uh, but, you know, he gave me this opportunity to uh, really come to the U.S. and be able to take advantage of, you know, what I've been given. And I'm just so thankful. But like you said, um, you know, the one thing that I want people to just remember is that, you know, anything is possible. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, as you know, starting playing basketball so late at 16, that's, yeah, uh, that's yeah, uh, that's that's hard. Uh, you know, that's hard to make it. And uh, to be able to be in this position, you know, it obviously took a lot of work and a lot of luck. Uh, but you know, I just want people to just re remember that you know anything is possible, uh, mm -hmm. no matter what you do, as long as you believe in it. And you know, uh, anything is gonna happen. Oh, yeah. And this is the absolute and last thing I promise. Once again, congratulations to Joel Embiid, becoming the fifth sixer in, M in franchise history to walk away with the coveted MVP award. Yes, sir. And on that note, I think it's a good thing. I think it's, we're going to close the show early on a high note. Yes. Once again, this is Chris Thomas. This is Jamal Thomas. And you're going to be listening to the Run of Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on 98.5 FM and on uptownradiophilly.org. We will see you next time. Yes, sir. Peace.